We have been studying the prophecies of Jesus along the last few weeks. We've talked about uh, the virgin birth. We've talked about how Isaiah, in, in Isaiah chapter 60, talked about the light shining in the darkness. We have, we have seen the, uh, the, the prophecy of being born in Bethlehem. We have looked at all of these prophecies. As we have gone along, we've seen Jesus is the one and the only. And I have said again and again, the one thing is to keep the one, the one thing. That's, that's what this season is, is really about. The one thing is to keep the one, the one thing. So what is this birth that we celebrate at Christmas? What does this birth mean to you? How does, this, all, this, how does all this help? How does it fit together in your life? We're going to actually look at that today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now it doesn't tell the Christmas story in John chapter 1, but I think it tells the why of Christmas in John chapter 1. So we're just going to read John chapter 1, starting in verse 14. And it, and it is up here behind me. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. And from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So let's kind of work our way through these verses. First, he talks about the Word. And, and there's some history kind of behind this Word. The word for word in Hebrew is Devar. Now, the Devar was seen by the Hebrew people as, as the the spoken word of God. In fact, the Ten Commandments are called the Ten Words, the Ten Devar. They, are, they saw the spoken word of God because what happens when God speaks? Stuff happens, right? When he says, let there be light, there's light. I mean, when he speaks, things happen. So they saw the, the, the Devar was the divine power and creative God's words. So that's what the Hebrews understood as the word, devar. It was creative, and it was divine, and it was powerful. And then we move, in, in, in the Bible, we move from Hebrew to Greek when we go from Old Testament to New. And, and in the New Testament, the, word, the Greek word for word is logos. Now, I have talked about this logos before, but if you missed that, the Logos, the, the Greeks understood that there was something behind everything that we saw, everything that happened. There was something that, that created things. There was something that, that made things happen or kept things from happening, very much like our understanding of fate today. Those that believe in fate believe similar to what the Greeks did with the, with the word, the Logos. They believed that there was something behind a greater power behind everything that we see. 
And so they understood it also as spoken, but unspoken. But they also understood it as powerful and creative and supernatural. They understood the word, the logos, to be all of these things. And so it fit very well with the Hebrew idea of the devar, the word. It fits very well, this power, this creative power, this this supernatural that makes things happen and, and keeps things from happening. This was behind everything in life, and John tells us that became flesh and dwelt among us. This power, this supernatural power, this creative power, this, this, this force that makes everything happen became flesh and dwelt among us. The logos, or the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And then the, uh, the Greek idea of dwelt among us is to share one's tent with someone. So he, he's saying that, that this supernatural power, this creative power, pitched a tent like we have. We have this tent. We, have, we walk around. Paul talks about us walking around in this tent because it's a, a temporary structure. It's just a tent. And John says, the Word became flesh and pitched a tent with us. He had the same weaknesses as us. He had the same uh, problems as us. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He got tired. He, all of the things that, that we have in our flesh, Jesus had. The Word that became flesh had all of these. Now, he really emphasizes the idea of the flesh here. He doesn't say that, that the Word came in human form. He emphasizes the fact that it was flesh. It was like what we have. We enjoy this and we battle this, don't we? <laughs> This, this carrier for us that we have, this tent that we live in, we both enjoy and battle. He's, he's really emphasizing the fact that the Word, this, this divine, supernatural, creative power became flesh like you and I have. Flesh and pitched a tent with the rest of us. And then he goes on and says, we have seen His glory, glories of as of the only Son from the Father. Now this only Son idea, this is just like in John chapter 3, verse 16, that you probably know, the one and only Son of God. This, is, this idea in Greek is that there has never been one before and there will never be one after. They broke the mold. It's one of a kind. The one and only Son of, of God, Jesus, came in the flesh. Now we have this idea, the language here of the flesh, the tent, the glory. And, it, and it's bringing back, it's evoking the exodus here. And, and it's not just me, because verse 17 literally has Moses' name in it, doesn't it? So it's not just me. I'm not just looking for the exodus here. It's, it's there. We have this idea of the, of the glory of God inside the, the, the tent of meeting filling the tent of meeting. We have this this incredible idea. If you picture in your mind the tent of meeting with the glory of God filling it, John is telling us that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That filled with the glory of God. And and in, in this tent that he has like we have. 
And then he says, grace and truth. Now, though, grace and truth are covenant terms. This is the covenant-keeping God. The same covenant-keeping God of the Exodus is the same covenant-keeping God of today. The covenant-keeping God that always deals with us on, 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 the, on the basis of love and grace. Always. And John goes on to, to prove that as he, as he speaks. He says, literally, full of grace and truth. We're given the reason for Christmas. We're given the reason for the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It's to give birth to the glory of God, to give birth to, to the truth of God and the grace of God. It's to embody the glory and the grace and the truth of God in one man, Jesus Christ. That one man. So let's look at these. We talked a little about glory a couple of weeks ago. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's literally the light of God's glory. So let's look at grace and truth. First, we have to to understand we usually get grace wrong. We usually understand we get grace and mercy mixed up. Mercy is not receiving the punishment you deserve. Grace is so much more. Grace is blessing in place of the punishment you deserve. Blessing instead of curse. Blessing beyond blessing. Grace is, is power. Grace is amazing. And that's why we sing the song about it. Grace is so much more than mercy. And it's it, it fulfills mercy and goes beyond. And you are blessed in place of the punishment you deserve. That's grace. So we can't mix up mercy and grace because it says that Jesus embodies the grace of God. He literally embodies the grace of God. And then he says, full of grace and full of truth. Now truth in this this. Greek word is an experiential truth. It is that which really is. The truth is what is really is. It's, it's not, uh, it, it's experienced. It's not something that you learn. It's something that you experience. And so he, this, is, this is Jesus fulfilling, embodying the grace of God and the truth of God. And then John says that, that Jesus came before him, that he, it's kind of a, 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 a mixed message there. It's kind of hard to understand, but it, John is saying that Jesus predates him. Even though John was born before Jesus, he's saying Jesus predated John. So he is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the word that at the beginning of John says was with God and is God. He is the word, the devar, the logos that came. And then, it kind of amazing, because he says, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. As if giving you grace isn't enough, God can't stop giving you grace. He, it, is, it is inexhaustible grace. It's grace you cannot outrun. It is grace you cannot outspend. It is Grace upon grace upon grace. This is good news. 
Maybe just for me. Maybe I just need a little extra grace every day. Maybe you don't, but I do. And so I need this fresh grace to replace the grace I already had. I need this. We need this. This is grace upon grace. And then in verse 17, he says, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now the word came literally means to be born or be brought into existence. So Jesus literally embodies the grace and truth of God and and the fullness of God. He is the the grace upon grace that, that John tells us about. You know, the angels that announced the birth of Jesus, they tell us that peace was born on that Christmas morning. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And, and this is a peace, we're going to look at it a little more tonight at our evening service, but this is a, a completeness, a wholeness, a, uh, this is shalom, this is a complete whole, uh, wholeness, not just the absence of conflict, peace, true peace. But John tells us here that that the glory of God, the grace of God, and the truth of God are literally born on that first Christmas day. Literally born on the day we celebrate tomorrow. And then he says, No one has seen God, the only only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, the Greek is tough, and it even comes into English tough. But But here's the message. Jesus came from the heart of the Father. And so, because he reveals God, because he is from the heart of God, if you want to know the heart of God, you must know the heart of Jesus. Because he fully, he fully reveals the, the grace and the glory and the truth of God. And so you must know Jesus if you want to know God. You must Because Jesus fully reveals God in his fullness is what what, uh, uh, John tells us. So what, what we have is the one and only Son of the Father coming to us in an earthly tent like we have, giving birth to, to glory, grace, and truth of God, fully revealing God to us. That's what Christmas is, isn't it? That's what Christmas truly is about. This birth changes everything. Because the glory of God and the grace of God and the truth of God have been born on that first Christmas day. And that means for you that your life is not a summary of acts of fate. Your life is, is in his hands. And you are grace upon grace to, from him you are receiving. You are the benefactor of grace upon grace, of his truth, of his glory, of his grace. We began this, uh, this Christmas season looking at what Jesus said to Martha and Mary. It's in Luke chapter 10. And if you remember the story, Martha is, is scattered around doing all kinds of things, and, and, and Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha's upset because 
Mary's not helping with all of the, the stuff. And, and so Jesus says, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing. The one thing is to keep the one, the one thing, this Christmas season. We've seen prophecy and fulfillment. We've, we've studied who the Messiah must be. We know Jesus is that Messiah. We know Jesus is the Christ. And here in John, we have the why of Christmas. Why did, did the infinite God come as a baby? He came because he wanted to be, he made himself small enough to fit into your life. He made himself small enough to fit into the, the body of a baby born in humble circumstances to a teenage girl and her carpenter husband. He made himself small enough that we could know. We could have a relationship with him. This is the why of Christmas. Because God wanted to save you. He came to save you. You. You are worth this to him. You are worth uh, uh, being born in a manger to a teenage girl. You are worth a sinless life. You are worth a sacrificial death. You are worth God's love. You are worth God's grace. You are worth God's truth. He came to give you those things. That's his gift on, on the first Christmas. His gift to us is a Savior who is Christ the Lord, as, as the angels proclaim. Do you know this Savior? Do you, have you received this gift? You can this morning. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. And just consider what these verses say. These verses say that, that Christ came on that first Christmas to save you. And so he came, lived a sinless life, died a substitutionary death, and, and rose on the third day and is reigning today, all to save you. Have you accepted that gift? Will you accept the gift of his glory, his grace, his truth this morning? It's a simple prayer. You can follow along in your own words. Say, God, I know I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. But I trust that Jesus came to embody grace to me. He came and died in my place on that cross to pay my price so that I might be fully blessed by you. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work from his birth to his life to his death to his resurrection. He's finished the work. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work. And I ask you to empower me today with your glory, with your grace, with your truth. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you can let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor. Let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ. 
Amen, brother. Amen. Praise God. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but this Christmas season has all been about other stuff. Will you take a moment right now and just pray that today, today, you will make the one, the one thing.